Who needs Josh Butler when you got Tom Curran? England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Oh, he's given it, he's got a wicket. Well, would you believe it? Strangled down the leg side. Cook is loving it. So welcome back to the Court and Ball podcast. Once again, joining me on today's episode, we've got the legend that is Ben Vine. Hello. And the man who Shane Warne idolised when growing up. He even had posters of him on the wall. It's Adam Salad Lovett. He still does, mate. He sends me postcards. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. On today's episode, we've got a dissection of the two-day test match. In the third test of the England versus India series, that was the day-night test in Ahmedabad. We'll also be debating why Chris Morris was the most expensive player in this year's IPL auction. And of course, once again, we'll be ending the episode off with the DRS quiz, which was so entertaining last time. So let's get into the dissection of that test match in Ahmedabad. So team news saw England make quite a few changes Joffre Archer returned for Ollie Stone. James Anderson came back in for Moeen Ali. Johnny Bairstow, to our dismay, <laughs> came back in for Dan Lawrence, while Zach Crawley returned to open the batting in place of Rory Burns. India brought Jasprit Bumrah back into their lineup in place of Siraj, whilst Kuldeep Yadav was dropped and replaced by Washington Sundar. I'll start with your opinions on the changes prior to the game. Did you think we'd made the right decision? Of course, we thought maybe this pink ball would be doing a bit more than the red ball, especially under the lights. So what do we think before the game? Well, the team selection was interesting. I didn't like it, to be honest. I didn't like the scene-heavy attack because we knew it was going to turn and we knew it was going to turn from ball one as it did in the uh, second test. I didn't like the inclusion of Bairstow and I think he proved us right in the fact that he is just a bit too arrogant to think he can just go out and score runs so quickly and easily. I just think it was just the wrong calls in the wrong places. Yeah, I mean, we... I think we were shocked to not see Best come back in, but there were the mm-hmm. rumours um, of the ball going to be doing more, I said, under the lights. And we even saw a picture of the green pitch, um, well, what was a green pitch, you know, three or four days prior to the test match. So I'm not sure if uh, Joe Root in the management got uh, swayed by these images, the rumours of, oh, this could be like an English wicket, when realistically you should expect an Indian suited wicket when you're playing in India. It's as simple as that. Um, Salad, what did you make of the changes prior to the game starting? Well, I was happy to see Crawley come into the side because, to be honest, I think he should have been in for the second test. He was injured. Oh, was he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that explains a lot, actually. Uh, but no, I was happy to see him come in, but he should have come in for Lawrence, not Burns, in my opinion, and should have played at three because I yeah. think out of our three, well, essentially they can all open but he's definitely the best suited to to bat at number three in, in my opinion and then I was a bit disappointed to see Arch come in for Stone after how well Stone bowled last time out but I can sort of understand that Joffre Archer is Joffre Archer and I suppose it does make sense in regard to that. Um, so following that expert piece of analysis from Salad in regards to Zach Crawley's absence, <laughs> Johnny Bairstow's return was something that we voiced our disapproval of in the previous. I think episode. we predicted it would happen, though, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we we all gathered that. 
Um, he was going to come back into the lineup, not just into the squad. We won the toss, and based on the past two tests in the series, winning the toss has definitely proved to be a good thing. So I'm not sure about you guys, but I was quite optimistic when I saw us winning the toss. Of course, it was a day-night test, so we got to see all the action this time, opposed to waking up at four o'clock in the morning. You said last last time that we thought England would win, didn't we? Tongue I think, cheek. realistically, out of that first innings, he got good ball. Crawley got a 50, batted well. Sibley, I thought, got good ball. Bearstow which is stupid wasn't it Root got a good ball Stokes nah, wasn't a great uh, shot or decision Pope got a very good ball I think obviously from that on it's sort of a lottery in it but I just think yeah when I saw us batting first I thought we are going to be 200 plus at the close with two or three wickets still left I'd be happy we knew it was going to turn late on so I thought anything past 200 and we'll be properly in charge and we just absolutely crumbled didn't we it was just appalling yeah, I mean, we lost Sibley and Bairstow for Ducks and that was disappointing, but it felt yeah. like Crawley and Root were building a fairly decent partnership I mean, yeah. after winning the toss so and batting. It was, yeah, I don't think there was anything too problematic. As you said, we knew the ball was going to turn, but yeah. at one stage it seemed OK. Well, I mean, we were 74 for two at one point and then we were 112 all out. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it says it all. But I think we do have to emphasise slightly how well Zach Crawley did bat on that first first morning I was yeah. saying he's, he looks up for this he's came out fighting 10 fours in his innings of 53 were we uh, impressed on his first innings after struggling in Sri Lanka uh, yeah I was it shows uh, sort of the mental strength to come back from quite a poor set of tests in uh, Sri Lanka because he's only been integrated into the team over the last sort of 12 18 months which I suppose in regard to some of the other people who've come in, such as Doan in the last test and uh, you know, arguably Pope as well, who obviously got bowled by Ashwin. He's he's shown that he's got the mindset to play an open for England. And to be fair, t- 10 fours in 53 is impressive. He hit the balls that were there to hit. So, yeah, very impressive. Is it, Ben, something that England should have looked to emulate once that Crawley got out? So when you've got Ben Stokes coming in, who we all know can be so good when playing an attacking game, should England's batsmen have followed that template, that Zach Crawley set of being aggressive and being proactive? I think, in reality, you know, first day of a test match, you expect there to be predictable bounce. A little bit of turn on the subcontinent, but nothing... You know what, it, it's not going to be ragging sideways on the first innings, you'd imagine. If you take the last the two, fact, or especially the last test out of equation. Yeah, it's, you know, if you look at it and you go, well, the way England want to play is they want players to sort of not chew up deliveries, but to be busy, yes, but not take any undue risks, be very cautious. Crawley did that. He left the good balls. He defended the good balls. But anything loose, he was on it and very, very aggressive towards that. And I like that. You know, I think England just... I think they just didn't react to the pitch quick enough. I think you could see it was turned. They should have gone, all right, maybe let's not go for 350. Let's go for 250 and be a bit more proactive, a bit more, not aggressive, but a bit more positive, using your feet a little bit more, things like that. I think Root and Crawley were doing that. And they both got out quite close together, didn't they? And it sort of left Stokes and Pope a bit exposed and a bit, well, a bit exposed in the technique as well, because I thought both of them actually played it quite poorly how they got out although they both got decent deliveries they could have probably prevented it in my opinion I do see what you're saying in regards to a solid defence is the base of any innings in test cricket although based what we saw in the second test in Chennai and how how well Zach Crawley batted whilst he was being positive and proactive and moving his feet and meeting the ball I think Graham Swan made points on the coverage when commentating that 
England's batsmen need to meet the ball and smother the spin opposed to yeah. if, if this makes sense wrapped into it sometimes you can't grasp whether that, what, that ball's going straight on or it's, it's going to be turning so that was a that was an issue England faced and could have been more proactive to counter that um, a quick question on England's batting order we saw Joffre Archer batter eight below Ben Folks who has impressed with the bat in his short time with England um, but isn't as established with the bat as you'd say Joss Butler is I mean that's my point of view even though Butler's got a lower average than Stokes, I just feel like um, Josh Butler is more of a proven test batsman. You can argue that. Do you think England's tails to expose the Joffre Archer batting at eight, who does have a test average of eight or nine? <laughs> I think for me, uh, personally, Joffre will go out there with his, his way of playing and he'll get out playing his way. We've seen it, I'd say, time and time again. He just goes out. He likes to hit it. I think he's a bit impatient. Uh, not necessarily always the case, but I think it's very hit and miss with him whether or not you're going to get any runs. And I'd I'd say honestly, if you're going to say, oh yeah, we're going to be exposed at eight, I think Jack Leach is technically or has the potential to put out a better, certainly a defensive innings. I'm not saying he's going to come in and save the innings, but just to maybe resettle. Obviously, Jack Leach got three, so you know, and Joffre got 11. So it's all very, I can say it, but it's not necessarily true. But I do think that if you swap Leach and Archer, it might have been a bit more settled. And Archer to be honest, wouldn't have been me, exposed. It shouldn't, for England's number eight, it shouldn't be, oh, should we put Leach or Archer? It should be someone who is more competent, is going to be able to score runs. You know, like Sam Curran plays that role brilliantly and he has done for a few years of just coming out and just taking the sort of taking the attack to the opposition he did it to Ashwin when uh, India were last in England so I think I know Sam Curran can't be in India at the moment because of travel issues but I think if he was there he probably would have played this test because of the batting maybe not played broad played Curran at eight and dropped Archer and Leach down a place and I think that does then strengthen your batting. But then the argument is Chris Wokes is also sat on the sideline who can bat and has got a test hundred against India. Well, I think and the name we're all crying out for there as well is um, yes. Yeah, 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 that is true. But if they're going to go, I'm saying if they're going to go with the seam heavy attack, which was the wrong call, but I think a Wokes would have been a better idea because broad figures and stats in India are absolutely appalling. And I think it's his worst country that he's played in by a long way. I mean, he just looks ineffective with the ball and completely clueless with the bat. I mean, obviously, Stuart Broad is one of the greatest bowlers to ever live, but I just don't think his forte lies bowling in India. Historically, he hasn't been great in India, and you can see that through his stats. And I do think, and probably uh, agree with you in regards to Wokes being a better option than Broad. Of course, we didn't know what would go on. I keep on mentioning pink ball under the lights. We thought if it's going to nip about a bit in English type conditions then Broad would be a great option of course we got that conception wrong and we'll come on to that a bit later on uh, the... I mean we only saw it once and a bit under the lights didn't we very good point yeah maybe we never really saw maybe that it done. who knows who knows um, the one constant theme throughout that first inning scorecard for England is bowled by Axel Patel of course six for on only second test match he bowled extremely well what have we got to say about his bowling performance? He's been incredibly uh, impressive, in my opinion. I just wonder where they've been idling him. He's just t- torn us apart, really. Ripped through the batting order. Economy of 1.75, I think it was, in the first innings. And takes 
six for. He's brilliant, to be honest. And, uh, you know, maybe there was a bit of a interesting decision making from some of the uh, batsmen who got out to him, but you can't take anything away from the way he bowled. I, thought, I think the biggest thing is he'll rip it past your outside edge, but then he'll also sort of bowl that one skids on the shiny side and it sort of doesn't spin and it just goes straight through. And I think that was the one that really did for England the most. You know, he was sort of, sort of saying to him, look, I can rip it past your outside edge. They're all going, oh God, I should probably play for that. And then it just sort of goes straight. So I think that speaks to the intelligence of him actually. If the, you know, India were looking for a replacement for Jadeja and I think they found someone who's arguably looking a little bit better with the ball. I know he's not the batter or fielder that Jadeja is, but with the ball, he looks absolutely unbelievable. Him, him, Jadeja and Ashwin in a team, you drop Sundar, that is... <laughs> that's unplayable really if you look at it to be honest yeah it is a very competent spin lineup, to say the least the skill that Axel Patel utilised to dismiss so many England batsmen was not the ball turning but one skidding straight on again I'm nowhere near the uh, <laughs> the, the ability of a test batsman or having seen your bat I'll, I'll testify to that as well thank you thank you what I'm trying to say is how difficult it must be when Axar Patel's got the new ball in the second innings, for example, is it gonna is he gonna rip one past your outside edge or is one gonna come back in? How do you tell that? How hard is it to pick his variation? It's almost like a lottery if you can't. I'm not sure how easy it is to pick that. If if it's difficult, then how hard that must be. Only England players know. Anyway, we'll move on to India's first innings, which was getting off to a, a fairly solid start with Rohit Sharma partnering Virat Kohli in a stable partnership. Of course, Shubman Gill got out with a poor shot and trying to uh, play well you can argue that there's no need there's no need to play it and just stick to his comfort no but I think it, I think Archer sort of said because Gill's a bit of a shot maker look he was on 11 off 51 balls he sort of said to him have a go at it do you know what I mean yeah, just, fair let's enough, see yeah. if you can let's see if you want to and he did and he wanted to Gill looks very good but I think that'll be his downfall in test cricket I think he looks to me a bit more like a four or five more of a license in the middle order to play I mean I know Virat Kohli and Rahane they're two of the best so they're not going to be moved but I just think he looks a little bit suspect I think when he comes to England playing that loose I think he will become undone to be honest with you yeah, you've got a valid point, especially about Archer saying, there you go, hit that, because you mentioned um, that he is a shot-playing player, and I agree with that. We've seen him play some lovely strokes so far. With the swinging ball mm-hmm. in English conditions, um, you mentioned he could be uh, struggling being that loose, and sh- uh, so could Rohit Sharma, and we've seen his record away from home, and it's not great at all. But nonetheless, he did put on a good partnership with Virat Kohli, despite Pujara and Gill um, getting out for low scores. End of day one. We all thought India are pretty much in control here. Yes, they lost two or three wickets, although you expected them to put on quite a few more runs the next day. Although England responded emphatically. First to go was Rahani. Leach again, picking up another wicket. Rishabh Pant then was dismissed by Joe Root. And uh, that was the theme that followed really with uh, India's tail. And where else to start but... uh, Joe Root's Pfeiffer, who thought that would happen? And at the time, I was delighted for him. But uh, yeah, does that indicate how poor the pitch was? Or was Joe Root channeling his inner Graham Swan to pull off a, a masterclass? I think we all know the answer. Absolutely awful pitch. I mean, Root has shown that he can come on, bowl, bowl a few overs, maybe slow down the pace of the game, you know, change low economy. But Pfeiffer, really? It just goes to show that 
if Root can go and get five for his part-time spinner, it's no wonder that we're being undone by some of the best bowlers in the world. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think I think Root's a little bit better than the average part-timer, but he is not what you'd call an explosive turner of the ball. And I mean, if the five for eight is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I mean, India collapsed from ninety-eight for two to one hundred and forty-five. Rowett and Kohli had done the hard yards. They'd done the fighting it off and all that, and then they've just capitulated. And you just think. It's just embarrassing that you're winning on that pitch, really. I mean, if England had won, would we be saying anything different? Maybe, but it's really just such a. I mean, in two days. It should we should we shouldn't even be recording this tonight. We should be recording this on Monday after the four or five days of the test, not two yeah. days after. It's ridiculous. Well, if I'm a neutral New Zealand fan, let's say there's a clear evidence with this game that there's an unfair balance between bat and ball. That's because mm-hmm. not only England made two low scores. So did India in the home conditions. So that surely comes to the outcome that there was an unfair balance between bat and ball, which is the basic basics you expect in a test match. So this, again, surely got to be something there for the ICC to investigate. To add a bit of context yeah, yeah. to Root's bowling performance, it was the third fewest runs conceded in an innings by an England bowler who had taken five wickets. So that's that's <laughs> ridiculous in, it, in, it, in itself, because I think the two players with runs fewer conceded also with five wickets were taken um, two centuries ago so uh, <laughs> I think that says it all doesn't it really um, yeah alongside think... the fact that Roots, uh, Root had got the best England captain bowling figures since Bob Willis in 1982 so a bit of context for you there uh, it does show how bad the pitch was to also just highlight how bad the pitch was this is the shortest test in terms of balls this century with 842 balls the last shortest although you have to go back this far to uh, find one shorter can anyone have a guess when it was 1925 <laughs> no, a, a little bit later than that 1935 so before the second world war was the last time there was a test match this short that is <laughs> A completed test match that is all four day, all um, four innings played. That is embarrassing. And for anyone to tell me that that is a pitch that's good enough to play a test match on is absolutely deluded. You wouldn't even play a T20 match on it because it's not a good enough day or really poor. Yeah, nonetheless, England's bowling performance uh, deserved some credit. Jack Leach, in my opinion, deserved the most. He took four wickets. At an economy of two point seven, again he's impressing, isn't he, on this tour? Yeah, I think I think you know what you're gonna get with Leach. I think that's the thing with him. I know in the first test he got it a bit wrong against Pant, etc., and he got taken down a little bit. But I think you know what's what's gonna happen because he's very accurate. He knows ex- he's experienced. I think he's what 28, 29. He's been around the circuit in county cricket. He's had everything. He's been around the world of England. He's always performed for England. I mean, I. I love him. I think he's a great uh, character as well. But I think he's really impressed here. Yeah. He has been really good. And it's definitely something which will benefit him uh, in regards to next summer with or the summer, the summer coming with New Zealand and India both coming to England. That'll probably nail his place down, won't it, if he performs well, especially in the last test, even with England. I don't want to say preferring Don Best because Bleach suffered with illness and injury or whatnot. Did he play in the test matches against West Indies and Pakistan or was that just Don Best? No, he didn't, he didn't play at all last summer. There you go. He was, he was ill, wasn't he, in South Africa and Best came in and played really well, so they stuck with him. Yeah, reluctant to say they preferred Don Best, 
Um, although, despite best playing all these matches, I personally think that with his performance on this tour, this might have consolidated his place for the summer. Yeah, well, I do agree with that. Um, but that doesn't mean to say necessarily that Best won't get into the side or won't be able to find a way in. Because if they're both performing, because I hope that Best will play in one of the next, uh, well, in the next tests, hopefully. And if he shows how well he can bowl, maybe show a little bit of batting ability as well. You know, there's I can't see any reason why they both can't be in a team, to be honest. I mean, no, but in England, you're going to go Andersons, Broads, Archers, Wokes, Curran. They're going to be the most effective bowlers in England. And to be honest, considering this series, I can't see England playing anything other than green seamers for Jimmy and Broad in, the, <laughs> in home conditions. And personally, I can't wait to see the Indians complain about those pitches when Roach Sharma and Shubman Gill are getting absolutely no runs because Jimmy's got them on toast. But uh, <laughs> I think I think the reason they've also gone with best recently is he's a better fielder. He's a very good fielder and he's a better batsman. So I think all round, he's probably the more influential player. But I think you pick a spinner based on how good they are at bowling spin. If they're two very equal bowlers, then yeah. But I think Leach is quite a bit better than Bess. Bess is good, but I think Leach is clearly the better out of the two. So I think you have to pick him based on how good he is at bowling spin. I think he's the better out of the two. So you saying Leach keeps his place for the summer? I say Leach keeps his place because I believe Wokes or Curran will play. So they can bat at eight, and then you've got nine, ten, eleven as Jimmy Broad and um, Leach. And Broad and Anderson probably won't play all the tests together anyway. So I think batting wise, it wouldn't really matter. Well, in my opinion, you've got to have four seamers when you're playing in England. And with Broad and Anderson, Stokes, you mentioned Archer, Wokes, you know, Wood, Curran. Uh, yeah, I doubt we'll go with two spinners. But for the for the future, the depth that we've got in this department after going so long with it, it seemed like Moeen Ali was just, just out there on his own. It does seem like we've got decent depth. And um, uh, I made a point a few weeks ago to you, Ben. I like the look of Verdi in the... Yeah, I was actually just about to mention that. Yeah, in there the is uh, reserve... He is in India. Reserve camp. Yeah, he's, he's in, he's he's in, in India. India. I don't... If I go... Well, sort of, if they don't have faith in Bess, why don't you throw in a, maybe even a Mason Crane? He's out there. You know, he's not not going to be the greatest leg sprinter of all time, but he's, he's in ragged. And I think Verdi's shown in county cricket that he's a very very effective off spinner I personally don't think they will but if I wake up on what is it Thursday morning and I see Verdi's playing I'll be quite happy because I want to see him given a chance because he's meant to be very very good yeah I, I, I would also like to see him given a chance but I do think playing Don Bess would be the right decision in the next game and I hope he I, hope I mean England have got to try and draw this test so I'd say they'll go with players they know yeah and I think I think that's the right decision Don Best deserves it I think he really does so I'd be a bit gutted for him if he didn't play in the last test I said I like Verdi his stats are very good although I do think Don Best deserves a place in the last test match of the series so on that note let's name our lineups for the fourth game in Ahmedabad once more but this time it's not a day-night test if I'm correct so, yeah, Salad, would you like to introduce your team? Okay, so I'd have Burns and Sibley opening, Crawley at three, Root at four, Stokes at five, Pope at six, Folks at seven, Bess at eight, Archer at nine, Leach at ten, Broad at eleven. You're in Broad? I am going Broad. Mm, brave. What's that based on, Salad? Do you not think he's... he's uh had a chance to prove himself of course this game is so short and it was so effective with the spinners but he did have the second test where he didn't exactly impress would you give him one more chance um 
Well, I suppose it's either going to be Broad or Anderson, and it's for for me, it's the personal preference of of, of Broad at the moment. It's maybe it's just me being a little biased because I just prefer him generally, <gasps> but. I oh, know, I oh, know. There's a shocker for you. Said, you. If you said that in Lancashire, you'd be lynched. <laughs> well, it's a good job I'm in Nottingham, isn't it? Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I think I'd go for Broad. Have you got Jake Ball or something in the room with you, Salad? Yeah, he's got a gun to my head, mate. <laughs> yeah. no, he's, going, he's going out to, he's in India for the, he's oh. going to India for the white ball. He's in reserve for the ODIs. I mean, is he going out to support the team or something? Not quite. <laughs> 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 playing, playing. Oh, Ben, what's your lineup? I've gone Burns in, Bester out. I'm putting Burns to open, Sibley, Crawley. You could even put Burns at three and say Crawley is still open if you wanted to. Maybe give Burns a little bit of a gap if you want, maybe. Because Crawley looks a bit of a better player of spin to me. And then Root, Stokes, Pope, folks. I don't think that's going to change, is it? And then Broad and Archer out. I'd bring in Wood and Bess with Leach and Anderson staying at 10 and 11. I would agree with you, Ben. Um, I do think Burns and Sibley should open. I still think Rory Burns has got potential to make it in Test I cricket. I like Burns, yeah. As we've seen with loads of players when they first come into Test cricket, I know it's been a couple of years since Bess, uh, since Burns sorry, made his debut. You've just got to find that consistency. And the only way that comes with, is with playing games. We've learnt our lessons with chopping and changing openers. So I think if we keep on giving them that platform to play more games, the consistency will hopefully arrive. But, yeah, Crawley at three, Root at four, Stokes five, Pope six, Folks, I would go Bess uh, at eight. I do think Mark Wood deserves a chance to play. And again, what's the point in bringing him over here if he's not going to play? Yeah, I agree. If, I, like, if, I like Wood as well because he's a, he, he'll actually reverse the ball. So if you have him and Anderson both bowling and it's reversing, that's going to be seriously dangerous because... Wood doing it at such pace and Anderson doing it with such skill. I mean, that is potent, really. That's really dangerous then. Yeah, um, I do agree um, that Wood does deserve a place in the team. i touch on that point I was just making. If we're not going to play him over here in the Red Bull series, then what's the point in, not, in bringing him over for the last two test matches, whereas maybe uh, bettering his skills in English conditions for the summer might be more beneficial for, uh, for us. That's just the thought there. But yeah, I would bring Wood back into the lineup. Anderson would keep his place, uh, and so would Jack Leach for me. We've all gone uh, relatively similar, apart from our bowling lineup. Um, and despite Broad not being too uh, too threatening this series, we wouldn't be outraged, would we, to see him um, play in uh, in the fourth test? So that will wrap up our dissection of the third test. It hasn't been great. So let's just move on and. Ben, you can introduce the rant in regards to Chris Morris being the most expensive IPL player at the auction. This is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, if he can be it, I don't see why I can't be the next highest. I mean, as all rounders go, I'd say we're pretty similar. <laughs> his, uh, I've just uh, got some stats. He averages 23.96 with the bat with only two fifties and 44 innings in the IPL. He averages 24.29 with the ball with 79 wickets. So, very okay stats uh, with the ball. They're pretty poor, really, with the bat, if you pick him as an all-rounder. He's not brilliant. Like You look at someone like Stokes, I think he averages high 30s. The questions I've got is, why is he, be, is he being picked as an all-rounder? Is he picked in, as a bowler who can bat a little bit? 
because clearly the bat is not that potent, not that much of a threat. I mean, I like the Rajasthan Royals because of Stokes and Butler and Archer all there. Like they're the ones I'd pick person. Uh, they're the team I'd pick to follow really in the IPL. Don't but, forget Liam Livingston this year. Yeah, exactly. Big hitter Liam Livingston. He'll probably get hit in the dick a few times. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but the thing I look at is when you've got, I'm not sure if Mitchell Stark was in the IPL draft. I couldn't find him, but surely you'd pick him if he's available, if you want a really high quality bowler, because he's going to win you more matches than Chris Morris with the ball and he can bat. But then also you look at like Adil Rashid, completely unsold. He's arguably the best leg spinner in the world right now. Leg spinners win your matches rather than an 80 to 87 mile an hour right arm seamer. Especially yeah, in India, where the ball's going to rag and Adil Rashid is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he deceives anyone he plays against. He get, I think he's got the most... Since 2015, he's had the most wickets in ODI cricket. Since the 2015 World Cup to now, he's got the most wickets out of any bowler in the world. The bloke is an unbelievable leg spinner. And yet, he's gone completely insulted. But Chris Morris is going for 16.25 crores, which I'm not entirely sure what they are. <laughs> I found something that said it's like £10 million or something, but I can't see that being right. But I'm not sure. No, we'll let, we'll let the Indians stick to their, uh, their currencies. But it, it makes... It, 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 what you've sort of said there introduces a topic I was going to um, also bring to discussion. It's more of a comment really than a topic, but it's this belief that uh, all-rounders win new matches. When the news first broke, I was intrigued, as I think any cricket fan was to hear Chris Morris, really. Um, so I tried to do a bit of digging and think why. Um, looked at a few articles, looked at comments um, on Twitter to, to see what Rajasthan Royals fans were saying, what IPL fans were saying. And it's pretty much just this belief that teams want to invest in all-rounders because they cover two bases. And personally, I'm not sure that Chris Morris is a high-quality bowler and he's definitely not a high-quality batsman. So do, is he more likely to win you a game than Alex Hales, who went unsold? I'm not sure. Salad, what do you think? Well, first off, I didn't know Alex Hales had gone unsold. Jesus Christ. Yeah. One of the uh, best T20 batsmen in the world right now. Right, I'm going to say something here, and you're both going to be annoyed that I've said this, but who is Chris Morris? <laughs> I've, I've Googled him. I've Googled him. <laughs> That's a good start for the podcast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just to, just to <laughs> include know, all, those, all those big cricket fans out there. No, 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 no. We are expanding the audience by having someone like me so that you have to explain things to. No, but I mean, he's do a, we speak that very... actually anything to do with him being, he let, you know, let alone the most expensive player, but even just the best all-rounder? Oh, well, he's not the best all-rounder. But the so, thing is, with Rajasthan, they've already the most? got Ben Stokes. They've already got the best yeah. all-rounder in the world. They've already got the bloke who can win you a match from anywhere. Chris Morris isn't going to do that with the ball. So yeah, just get sorry. Hiles in, get a batsman in. Whenever I, but whenever I've seen him play, I've always thought, well, there's, you can score runs now. Whenever I see England play, I think this is the time to try and go for him. Yeah, he's an international cricketer. He's obviously got talent. And he's, ob- he's played for a few years. He's obviously good. But he doesn't deserve to be the, the highest selling cricketer ever in the IPL. I mean, if he yeah, was getting I mean, that, imagine what Coley would get. Imagine what Davies yeah. would get. It's unbelievable. Right. I, 
can't fathom it, to be honest. With Just you. an observation of T20 cricket. You win the match by scoring more runs than uh, your opposition. I mean, how often do you get all outs in T20s? Well, that's not the point. It's, you know, you've got to take wickets to restrict people. You know, if you're bowling, you throw your ball to the best bowler to get Virat Kohli out when he comes in, to get <laughs> Davidia's out when he comes in, to get, I don't know, Ben yeah. Stokes, Josh Butler's out when they come in. You've got to have brilliant bowlers in T20 cricket. And bowlers probably win you the tournament more than a batsman does. But I just can't see how Chris Morris is that man. No. Adil Rashid is more likely to win you a game than Chris Morris. I'm not saying Rashid should be the highest selling player. He shouldn't be. But you know, I'm even looking here, like Kyle Jameson has gone for more than Ben Stokes did. And Kyle Jameson is a very, he's a, looking like a very good test bowler. Yeah, he's got, I think he looks like he's got a he's bit of a relatively, so. relatively unproven in T20 cricket. I think it just shows yeah. that they're putting a lot of faith in, you know, I know Chris Morris plays PSL and BBL and he's a decent performer, but he's never someone you go, oh God, they've got Chris Morris, like we're in trouble. <laughs> he's not that kind of player. He doesn't put the fear into you, does he? No, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to liken him to a player uh, in England that we could liken him to and I'm struggling like Chris really. Wokes maybe yeah Chris, Chris Wokes, Wokes but again Chris Wokes but even is Chris better, Wokes is a better bowler better with the ball yeah Chris Wokes I'd rather have with the ball um, I trust Wokes yeah. more yeah is, is, is there an argument to say Pef Laquea is the better all rounder well he's a bigger hitter definitely he's definitely a, a better batsman a bigger hitter you mentioned Chris Wokes being a possible sort of similar player in this country to Chris Morris but yeah he's not a he's not a high quality uh, batsman He'll bat eight, would you say, Ben? Probably, yeah. And the thing is, he is he can hit the ball a long way. He can he can come in and be very dangerous with the bat. But he's not like a sort of player you look at and go, oh, God, they've got Chris Morris at number eight and he can come in and bash it. You sort of think, oh, well, you know, he might do some... Like, he's one of those players who might do it once in a tournament, whereas you want someone who's going to do it two, three times, don't you? Yeah, I it. just don't think he is that. I just think they've got the wrong player for the wrong thing. If you want him for his bowling, you need to get a better bowler. If you want him for his batting, you need to get a better batsman. If you Spot want him for both, then it's sort of, you sort of ask why. Spot on, I agree, Ben. You know I mean? Do you get what Salim was saying in terms of how many all-outs do we see in T20 cricket? If he's batting at eight, do teams really need his batting depth? But is there a need to, bat, to put as much emphasis on batting at number eight do you have to spend all that money for someone who's going to bat at eight? I don't really see the point. I, I do agree that buying a better quality batsman or a better quality bowler would be more beneficial yeah, in those two areas and would probably be cheaper than, than buying Chris Morris. So I think yeah, we've all yeah. come to the conclusion that him being the most expensive IPL player in history is a bit ludicrous. I've got a list here of uh, the other names who were um, were top buys at the time or you know in the top. Uh, top 10 or so you've Raj Singh back in 2015 you can make you can reason that can't you you can make a, you can make a good yeah. reason for that last year Pat Cummins what a bowler again we can we can I mean he wasn't brilliant last year but it's still amazing yeah, Pat Cummins is Pat Cummins we, we know about all these, these qualities you mentioned Carl Jameson early on Ben and he has shown potential uh, especially with the ball he's whacked a few runs too um, but that's an interesting one at uh, 15 crawl <laughs> as you said um and again, Ben Stokes, Glenn Maxwell, Yuvraj Singh once, once again. All expensive players. Glenn Maxwell this year uh, making the list. But again, you can all make reasons for, for, for those players being so expensive. And you can understand why an IPL team might want to invest so much in those players. 
Chris Morris. It doesn't make sense. And uh, I think, Ben, you've done very well in delivering this rant of the week because it's one that all listeners are going to agree with if they know who Chris Morris is and they even have well, you know, sorry, still listened at this point. But, um, yeah. Anything else to say about this weird this weird um, decision? No, I still don't know who Chris Morris is, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Put yourself on mute. Just put yourself on mute. <laughs> Yeah, the oh, RK, the RKL do seem to have some crazy decisions, and this is just uh, yeah, this is just one. But if they've got the money to throw about, then go ahead and and buy Chris Morris for this much. When Alex Hales is opening in England for the Test team because he hasn't played in the IPL, now we'll be the ones laughing. <laughs> right. Let's, on that note, let's move on. DRS quiz time. Can't wait. After last week's roaring success in the DRS quiz. It's back with another ESPN Crick Info theme challenge. Of course, it's going to be the same format as last week. Three questions, three nicknames, one review. Each player will look to get their three answers right. If they want to limit the uh, possible answers from three down to two, they can use one of their reviews. Currently, Salad is 1-0 up in the series so far. How would we describe last week's performance? Well, triumphant, to be honest. It's a bit embarrassing, really, uh, from Varney's perspective. But some know, things are better left unsaid, Matthew. Okay, let's, <laughs> move, let's move on. Let's move on. If you do that, Ben, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and we'll focus on the present and this week's uh, nickname quiz. So once more, I'll get my virtual coin tosser up and salad because you won last week. You'll have the pleasure of calling the toss again. So I'll go for tails, please. It is a heads. So, Ben, would you like to go first or second? Salad can go first. So, it's the reverse of last week. Salad, you put Ben into answer last uh, last week, but now he's done the opposite and you'll answer first. Salad, your first ESPN Crick Info name nickname is Belly. Of course, these are easier at the start and progress to get harder. So, is Belly... That's his, that's his name, isn't it, Belly? <laughs> Hey. No salad with that belly. Yeah, right. His belly, Rob Key, Samit Patel, or Ian Bell. Oh, that's hard, what, that is. I'm glad you said Ian Bell because uh, <laughs> Ian Bell, Matt. Yes, you're correct. Believe it or not, the ball has pitched. Fair no, Rob Key's got a bit of timber on him, isn't he? Yeah, so is Samit Patel. But <laughs> considering he's been playing in the wonderful T10 League, I'm sure he's lost a lot of weight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Samit Patel uh, isn't the correct answer. It is Ian Bell. Um, a fairly easy one. I thought that might just be a nice one to chuck in for uh, a nickname. So, Ben, your first question. Pudsey. Is it either Tim Bresnan, Liam Plunkett or David Willey? Do you know this, Ben? Liam, Liam Plunkett. Yep, correct. You knew you, you knew it as soon as I said. Yeah. Perfect. Nice one. So, Salad, your next answer, uh, well, your next question is Twiggy. Is it Stephen Finn, Chris Tremlett, or Mark Wood? I know who that is. Oh. See, oh. I feel like Wood is the logical answer for uh, Twiggy. <laughs> Uh, you've got your review remember I think that if I can get this one right I'd rather have my review in the final round so I think I'm just going to go with Mark Wood 
Impact is outside the line. Salad, you're oh. this week's competition. Is it? Is it Steve Finn? Incorrect, Ben. Incorrect. Oh, really? Mm. The answer is Chris Kremlin, of course, the star of England's 2010-11 uh, Ashes win down. But of course, the I must emphasise the stars, <laughs> mainly that. But he did play a very important part in that series win, didn't he, Ben? You've got to admit that. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Uh, so, Salad, you're out of the running this week. Could have used that review. Um, but no point in reflecting <laughs> on <laughs> on that then. So, Ben, your second nickname. You're in the clear here. Can you overturn a, a decision and go 1-1 one, one in the series? Second question is capes. Capes. Three based on capes. K-A-P-E-S. K-A-P-E-S. Right. Yes. Um, you, you have got to get another question right to win. Yeah, the questions I know. after this one are... Go on. Jonathan Trott. Yeah. Paul Collingwood or Kevin Peterson? I'm going to go for KP. Correct. Oh, God. <laughs> the pressure's unbearable. Right. Salad, who would you have gone for in regards to that question? Kevin Peterson. I've been absolutely shafted here. Oh, you're not happy. He's... Oh, he's not happy. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, <laughs> I didn't know if that was... Oh, Collie... Collingwood's Collie, isn't he? So... Yeah. There's been yeah. Trot and KP, but I thought Capes. Uh, of course, Capes. Cape. Especially with a K rather than a C. Just give it yeah. away. Right. Yeah. Um, so, this is the final nickname. It's not easy. If you get it, I think you'll be seen as a worthy winner, but I'll let Salad be the judge of that one. And the nickname question is Bluey. Yeah. Do you know this? I think so. Go on. Do. Okay, I'll let I you... I think I'm right. This Ooh. is where the options aren't anything that I think is. Go on. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the three options. Yeah. Is it Joe Root, yeah. Johnny Bairstow, or Gary yeah. Balance? Before you, before you answer, was one of the names on in that list who you thought it could be? Yeah. Okay. Can't... Would you like to use your review anyway? Nah. No, you wouldn't? Nah. Okay. Johnny Bairstow. Wickets are hitting and Ben has gone one down <laughs> in the series. That is, is a smashing, that is. Without a review, That's that is huge. plum. Come on. That's Cookies massive. on the menu ah. with plum sauce as well. Yeah, oh, come on. I'm no, I'm fuming. Oh, I knew okay. that one because really? it was also David Bairstow's nickname. If yeah, I'm it's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where does that come, come from? On. I know all three of Viney's. I, I think it's it's the, I reckon it's blue eyes. I think I really? think it's like that. I never I, I so. never knew um never even heard of it before. Not even heard of something similar. So yeah, that's a that's a weird one really. Wow. So Salad, you're fuming, fair enough, fair enough. Um would you have got the last one of your questions if you would have gone through? Frankie. Frankie. And okay. Michael Atherton, Michael Vaughan, or Nasser Hussain? I'll Just... probably go for Vaughan. <laughs> yeah, you would have been correct. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> you're kidding me. Uh, <laughs> Chris Tremlett has shafted you, or me. Or, uh, <laughs> well, at least, at least it was a twig and it wasn't a log. 
yeah. Why not? I, I think you can take your anger out on me. Take take uh, take your anger out on me like we did on Ariel Child during the last episode. So report from the RCC, and that will bring the episode to a close. It hasn't been uh, a most spectacular uh, episode again, has it? It's been village-ish, as we like to Very village, yeah. Um, It's been shorter, which I hope listeners have enjoyed. We're still probably a bit um, bitter in regards to the test defeat uh, in Ahmedabad. A bit? A bit, to say the least. Um, So, yeah, it's been a bit painful. I've, I've got nothing else to say. How about you guys? No, I haven't said it all, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We still don't know who Chris Morris is. Well, Salad doesn't. So if you if you really want to improve your knowledge, go and research Chris Morris in the in the days off that we would have been watching the Test match um, play out. So I I know I will be. Yes, Salad will be. So be 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 like Salad and go and research Chris Morris. Um, Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And goodbye from me. Bye. Goodbye.